If you are, can you help me give our online audience a good hand? We want to welcome you. Those of you that are watching us online, we hope you felt the presence of God like we did in the room today. And just an awesome day. I just want to mention to you, if you have a story like Emily's, we would love to hear about that because I believe that stories inspire. Would you agree, folks? That when you hear of other people whose, whose lives have been changed by the power of the, the Holy Spirit through prayer or through worship and then amazingly through groups, we want to hear about that because I, it inspires me to hear Emily's story. And some of you may have been feeling that same way. That you're on the, kind of on the outside looking in. And what we want to say is it's an opportunity for you. Groups are an opportunity for you to say, you know what, I'm going to bust through that barrier of being feeling out on the outside looking in. Because it doesn't have to be that way, folks. Amen? So we offer you those opportunities. So make sure that today is your, uh, before you leave today, that you don't just rush out. Our leaders will be out in the foyer today. Grab some s'mores. We like having some little fun, have some s'mores, and maybe get to know some of our leaders. And I, can I tell you today that, that I'm so excited. My freedom group has already filled up. Come on. That means there's some people who are hungry for, to do life and really to, to see God change their life. And so I'm so excited about this semester of groups. And I know I've, I've heard Lori's groups filling up. I know Josh's. I mean, there's so many, so many opportunities for you to, to get involved in groups. Let me take, it, take a minute just to challenge you to do that. Amen? All right, so we're in a, a, the day one. You saw that. We're in day one of a, a new series called XO, Love, Church, and, the rela- and Love Relationships in the Church. Now, how many, I got a question for you. How many of you ever, have you ever used the, the XO in an email or a text? Let me see your hand. Do you know why you did that? It, it, yeah, we know what, what it means, right? Hugs and kisses. But you know there's a really a, a deeper meaning to that. It, it really says to that person that you're communicating with, that you're committed to them, that there's a, there's a journey that you're on with them of relationship, a sincere journey, a committed journey, amen, a faith journey. And so that's really what that means. Maybe you didn't realize the depth of what that XO means, but that's really what that is. It's, it's more than just a symbol that you put at the end of an t- uh, email or a text. It's really a deeper, committed relationship that you have. And that's the reason why we've chosen this title is that we want you to have a deep commitment in your relationships. Can I get an amen this morning? So in this, this idea of love and relationships, I always like to take it back to the overarching vision of our church. How many know what our, the vision of our church is? Can somebody please help me? If you don't, I've not done my job. Can somebody help me, please? Full life. That you, our, you know, we, Christ's vision, not mine, not yours, his, for his church is that we live the full life in Christ. You notice in Christ is the most important part of that statement. I'll make this statement. You cannot have a full life apart from Christ. You can have semblances of it, but you cannot have it apart from him. And so what we've tried to do is we've gone through this journey of helping you see what full life looks like. I like to say God's helped us give some clarity. And so it's really in three dimensions, all right? So here's the first one. It's in the dimension of relationships. So you can have a relationship with your heavenly father, amen? You can have relationships this way through marriages, friendships, coworkers, whatever that is. God wants you to live fully alive in those relationships, amen? Y'all with me so far? Number two, in the area of your health, in a wholeness and a, a sense of wholeness and well-being. He wants you mentally healthy. He wants you emotionally healthy. He wants you physically healthy. He wants you spiritually healthy. Can I get an amen? And so what we're saying is Christ came to give you full life 
in your relationships. He came to give you full life in your health. But that's not the only dimension we talk about. What's the third one? Anybody know? Can I help you? You're going to lean into this? It's the dimension of your purpose. We say it here all the time. You're created on purpose for a purpose. Does, is God interested in, in how your life turns out? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, he's so interested in it that he's fully vested in that and that he went to the cross for you. He went to the cross to, for you to have purpose and meaning in your life. And so when we talk about full life, we're describing it in three dimensions. Relationships, wellness, whole, wholeness, and then your purpose. So what we'd like to do in this month, we want to focus, we want to zero in on relationships. Say this with me. Say, Christ wants me to have full life relationships. Amen. That's the reason we'll do this this month. It's because we believe wholeheartedly that what, that's what Christ wants for you. And so this idea of love relationships is established in the very beginning of time. When God first created everything in the Garden of Eden, what did he do? He created six days. He created the sun, the moon, the stars, the animals, plants, everything. And then he waited till the last day to do what? Create us. And here's what he said. It is good. It's very good. And so when you talk about the idea of relationship, when you talk about this idea of love, then we're talking about an opportunity for you to have a thriving relationship with your Creator. Amen. And so, here's what we'll do. We'll go to the very first chapter, and we're going to look at this, and we're going to see that God had this in mind. He had a great relationship. So go with me to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26. We'll go through 28. Then God said, let us make mankind in what? In our image. In our likeness. So that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And Now watch what he did here. He said, God blessed them. Everybody say blessed. And said to them, be fruitful and multiply, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So you notice from the outset of creation that God had a purpose in mind for you, right? Number one, you're created in his image. Number two, he said, multiply, increase. There's blessing there. God wants to bless you. He loves to bless his kids, right? And then thirdly, he said, have authority, rule. Now, there's some things that happen in a few chapters later that, that, that kind of messed this up for a little while, right? We know it as the fall of man. Satan tempted Eve. She ate the fruit, gave it to Adam. And we, therefore, we, we call this the fall of man, where all of this stuff that God said it was good and he created it to multiply, all of that was marred. The image of God was marred in us because of the fall of man. Are y'all with me so far? I'm laying a foundation for you. And so we're still created 
in his image. That did not change the moment that Adam and Eve fell. It just got blurry. And so what we want to do is we want to take this and say, okay, I, I, need, I need to have a paradigm shift. I need to have something to change the way I see this because the enemy has clouded this, this vision, this version of who God created us to be. And what we want to do is through the Word of God clear that up. Does anybody want to have a paradigm shift in terms of who you are in Christ? Your relationships in Christ? So I want you to take this journey with me of relationship and understand first and foremost that you are created in the image of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm created in His image. I look pretty good, don't I? Tell them. Do you mean it? Do you understand it? And so when we say this, Maybe you ask the question, what does it mean to be created in the image of God? I want to help you. There's three areas that I believe that when we talk about uh, God creating us in His image, then it's in three areas. Number one, it's mentally. So you realize that God created you with the ability to reason, right? To think and create. Some of us are more creative than others, but all of us have this ability to reason and to choose. Guess what? This is a reflection of God. It's a reflection of His intellect and His freedom. It's how you and I, were, we were created in His image to be able to do that. Aren't you glad? Anybody glad for technology? Anybody else glad for technology? How many of you love your iPhone? Some of you like your Android. Unbelievable. Can y'all please? I'm kidding. You realize Steve Jobs or Bill Gates, any of these guys that were kind of the pioneers of that technology, where did they get that from? Was it their own ingenuity? They're not that smart, folks. No, they got it. Why? Because they're created in the image of God. Now, I realize that technology can be used for good or bad, and, and we've used it for some bad, haven't we? Many times we use it, we get on, the, we get on our phone, and, and we, we tear people apart with our words. That's bad. But you realize that's just because of the fall. But God wants to redeem those things because the same technology you can use to, to put a scripture on of the day or a verse of the day or a thought for the day to get people lifted up. Are you with me? But the very reason that you and I have the ability to create, that Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or whoever it is has the ability, it's because they're created in God's image. Number two, morally. You were created in righteousness and perfection. Then what happened? The fall. God saw all that he had made. Remember, he said it's very good, but our conscience, you know, even though we've been marred by sin, we still have a moral conscience. Don't you believe, you believe that? That everywhere you go, it doesn't matter where you go, if you go to the, to the Father's lands, there's always going to be some kind of moral code. Why? Because God put that in our hearts from the outset. It's a reflection of us being created in the image of a holy God. Amen? 
Is it possible to get back to the place where we look like God in the way we act, the way we think and behave? Absolutely it is. Here's number three. Socially. I mean, you know, we were created for, for fellowship. We were created for relationship. And li- listen, the, the, the Godhead, the, the, the God the Father, God the Son, are in, and God the Holy Spirit, they're in perfect unity, they're in perfect relationship. And so our relationships can reflect that perfect unity. Are you, are you with me? Again, they're messed up because of our sin nature. But is it possible for you and I to get to the place where where relationships can work, relationships can flourish, marriages aren't in trouble anymore. Is there, is, there, is there that possibility? And the answer is absolutely so. And the reason I know it's so is because God himself put on flesh, lived a sinless life, died a cruel death on the cross, and walked out of the tomb. For what reason? To demonstrate to you that it is possible to have a great relationship. Amen. That the once relationship that you messed up, that you and I messed up, can be restored to to an awesome relationship, a flourishing relationship. How many of you long for that? It's possible. Because what does Jesus do? He holds it out every single morning to you in relationship. He's given you his word, amen? He's given you the privilege of praying. We prayed all all January. We talked about praying first. He's given you the honor of coming to him and developing your relationship with him through prayer. He's given you the honor of coming into a corporate house of worship to lift your hands, to sing, to declare with my arms held high, Lord, I give my life knowing I'm found in Christ. This is the beauty of a restored relationship that Christ came and purchased with his death on the cross. And so what I'll say to you today is, if you find yourself in a place where you're struggling in your relationships, look to him. Now, is it good to go? It's okay to go to a therapist and, and go to get counseling. I'm not saying that. There are godly men and women out there who can help you, but you know where they're going to point you? A godly one, a Christ one, you know where they're going to point you? Back to Him. Amen. And so, folks, this is the privilege that you have. Now, being an image bearer means that when you look at other people, you begin to see them differently. See, here's another problem with the fall. There's, there's envy. Anybody dealt with envy before? There's, there's this unforgiveness, sometimes this bitterness toward other people. And the problem is, is we, we, we quit. We fail to see them as created in the image of God. Here's the question. How do you deal with somebody who believes differently than you do? What if they have a different political view than you do? What if they're a different color? How do you deal with people who are different than you? Well, we know that these two things have been a real issue over the last few years, haven't they? Those two have been at the forefront of the news over and over again. Either political upheaval or racial tension. 
Listen, folks, can, can, you, can you lean into your pastor this morning? Another law is not going to fix that problem. I hate to say it. You know, you may have your favorite candidate, your favorite leader that you feel like is the, is the answer. They're not the answer. Oh, I knew I'd get quiet on them. It's okay, though. Folks, listen to me. The gospel is the answer. Because the gospel doesn't put the band-aid on the problem. The gospel transforms the heart. And therefore, the problem solved organically. Amen. And so when you see a person that's different than you, that looks different than you, that talks different than you, that thinks different than you, can you pull back and say, you know what, Josh, that person that's sitting across from me is created in the image of God. And because they're created in the image of God, they have intrinsic value and worth. They're worth my attention. They're worth me leaning in, listening ear in to hear what they have to say. Now, I know this goes against the grain. It goes against cancel culture. It goes against all of that. But I'm here to tell you what thus saith the word of God. And if we begin to look through God's word through the right lens, things will change. But folks, it has to start with me and you. We are followers of Jesus. The most, listen to me, the most influential man to ever walk the planet. I don't care how great Alexander the Great was. I don't care how good Trump is. The most influential man to ever walk the earth is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And listen, if you'll follow him, if you will listen, if you'll just lean in and listen to him, he will change your life. How do I know that? All I got to do is open up the scriptures, Ron, and see what he said. And I'm going to read to you. Let's read this story out of Luke. We normally read the story of the, the great commandment out of Matthew, but I want to read it out of Luke 10 today. And I want you to begin to see through the lens of the scriptures how God sees every person who walks this earth. Watch this. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Was his motives pure? Doesn't seem like it, does it? But, but Jesus is used to this kind of stuff, right? They're over and over again. They're trying to challenge him, and over and over again, I don't know when they're going to learn. Uh, don't forget, he's the Lord of heaven and earth. He's the one who created wisdom. On one occasion, he, he stood up to test him, teacher, he asked, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Here's what he says. What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? So he's going to, what's he doing? It's almost this Socratic method of, of learning. He throws the question back on the guy, right? Instead of, well, let me tell you. No, let, why don't you, let me lead you to the answer, right? So he says, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength with all your mind, and love your neighbors yourself. Listen, folks, he would have known this. Because if you go to the law, you see it. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. You see it. They knew this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength, and your neighbor yourself. He wasn't telling this guy anything new. As a matter of fact, he drew it out of him. He knew it already. He said, you've answered correctly. But here's the part that's the problem. You can say it all day long. And it doesn't do any good. 
How I many know lip service doesn't do you any good? It's what we take from, from here to get it here to here. Because he says, do this and you'll live. Because Jesus knew the transforming power of the love of God. All right? And then he continues to say, he says, but he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And so Jesus says, instead of let me just, let me just tell you a story to demonstrate to you who your neighbor is. Watch this. So in, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to go down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Folks, two religious people. You notice I said religious. Didn't help the guy. Now watch this. But a Samaritan. Now, you need to lean into this, folks, because and it's, you know the, the, the passage doesn't really say that this guy that got beat up was a Jew. But the fact that Jesus would, would call out that a Samaritan helped him leads me to think he was. And here's the reason why. Because Samaritan and Jews didn't like each other. Jews looked at Samaritans like this, this lower class, this half-breed of people, because they had intermarried with Gentiles. So what do you see there? You see racial, the, the possibility for racial tension. But Samaritan, watch this. What, what Samaritan does? As he traveled came where the man was, and when he saw him, he walked past by him. No, the Bible says he took pity on him. And so, in other words, I, you know, the priest and the Levite could have said, you know what, I love that guy in the ditch. But did they really? No. This is love right here. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two... In other words, listen, I'm not just... I'm invested fully in this guy, right? He takes out his own money and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him. He said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Folks, this guy's going the extra mile. I mean, it would have been... We would, have, we would have said, man, that guy's a great guy just by helping him that day. But the fact that he continued to do it and go the extra mile says, let me demonstrate to you what real love looks like. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Uh, no brainer, right? How many would have picked the Levite or the priest? No, we know, we see it. In the behavior of the Samaritan, the person who's fully living out this idea of loving your neighbor as yourself. And he said, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, and he said, go and do likewise. So what's the point, folks? Number one, this idea of seeing people in the image of God has to be in every realm. So in the realm of race. Every person on the planet is, is created in the image of God. The Samaritan looked past the issue of race to help the gentleman. Why? Because the need was greater. Because when love transforms your heart, you look past those things into what could be. 
Y'all with me today? And so what is Jesus saying here in this story? We see people. Many times we see through the wrong lens. We look to them through our preferences, through our bias, how we think, and we fail to remember the higher goal, the loftier goal is love your neighbor as yourself. Doesn't matter what they look like. Doesn't matter what their social status is. Is this helping anybody today? And so I want to show you a clip from, anybody seen the movie Remember the Titans? How many of you have seen it? Listen, if you have not seen that movie, shame on you. Because that's your pastor's favorite movie in the whole world. But if you know the story, you know that this was set, I think it was the early 70s, right? It was somewhere in that, that period where there was, still, there was still segregation in schools. And this football team, they, they actually, two schools merge. And you have African Americans and Caucasians coming together on a football team. And it's rough at first. You've watched it. You know how rough it was, how hard it was. But something happened through the course of time where friendships were bonded. And what did they do? They took those preferences off, those wrong ways of thinking off, and they began to see each other as created in the image of God to the point where they started calling each other brother. Watch this.
couple of powerful statements in there. Number one, when he walks in the room, what does he say? Don't you notice the resemblance? They look alike. Two different colors of skin. What was he doing? He was seeing, his, he was seeing Julius as created in the image of God. You're no different than me. As a matter of fact, you're my family. And then he, he went on to say, he said, I was afraid of you. What was he afraid of? Preconceived notions. Amen? I've had this preconceived notion about your kind. And I've, I've been afraid of you and I treated you that way. But he, what did he say? I, only, I just noticed that I was hating my brother. Could we not catch hold of that, folks, and say, Lord, forgive me. If I prejudge somebody just because of the way they look, the way to this, folks, is if I treat somebody a certain way just because of some of that. And maybe, listen, maybe they're the most terrible person on the planet. Maybe they, they're mean and nasty. And I still treat them with love and respect. What does that do? It creates an opportunity. Because if I don't treat them with respect, I could be the very person that's standing in the way of the Holy Spirit convicting them and drawing them to Jesus. I don't know about you folks. I don't want to be responsible for anybody not making it. That's how weighty this is, folks. But if I'll see a person, I'll look past. Because, listen, there's a reason why they're angry. Amen? There's a reason why they're nasty to people. There's something in there that's hurt them over and over again, and all they're doing is reacting. But if I can see past that into the person that God has created in his image, I can say, you know what? There's a way into your heart. And I can love them right there where they are. Because, folks, isn't that what Jesus did? One of my favorite passages in the scripture, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. While you were still sinners, Christ died. He did not wait for you to clean it up. So if he can look at me that way and see me valuable enough to die for, I can look at somebody else and do the same thing. Amen. That's good preaching, pastor. And here's how I know. Here's how I know. This is how God feels about every person on the planet. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. God showed what? How much he did what? He loved us by doing what? By sending his one and only son into the world so that you and I might have eternal life through him. He saw you despite your mess. Anybody got any mess? Despite your hang-ups, your habits, he saw you in that. And here's what he did in verse 10. This is real love. Not that we love God. Folks, we enjoy shaking our fist at God and saying we can do it ourselves, don't we? Am I the only one? No. And yet, what does he do? Not that we love God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Lord, help us to see people the way you see them. Created in your image, full of dignity and worth. So, as we're continuing to see this, we see people through this, this lens, this different lens of the Word of God. I have to keep making that. We have to see this. There's no way that you're going to have a paradigm shift unless you're looking through the lens of God's Word. Amen. So here's what the Scripture has to say about it. James 3.9 says this. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in His likeness. So every time that I say a, a nasty word to my wife, I believe it breaks the heart of God. Every time I get on Facebook and I post something nasty about somebody that I disagree with, I believe God's grieved. Why? Because Lori is created in the image of God. And when I speak ill against her, I'm saying to God, you messed up with that one. Isn't that in essence what I'm saying? Whereas if I change my lens, y'all get me? And I begin to see her as a daughter of God with dignity and worth. It's going to impact what I say to her and how I say it. Now here's the question. Would if we all did that with everybody that we meet, could we solve a lot of conflict? I think we could actually almost do away with it, to be honest with you. I get it. We're humans. We, we fall into those patterns. But the truth is, folks, we need the help of the Holy Spirit to begin to see people differently, no matter who they are. Here's another thing. You don't know their story. You don't know where they've been. Now, there's some touchy subjects. You know, you know God's Word says a lot about uh, relationships that are, that are biblical, right? And we, we take a stand. We're going to talk about marriage. Lori and I are going to talk about marriage next week, and, and you need to be, be here for that because I think that will help you. Even if you're not married, if you're preparing to be married, you want to be, one day be married. But there's other things that the Bible, we, we, we stand on. We clearly say that marriage is between one man and one woman. We don't make any bones about that. We believe that the homosexual lifestyle is contrary to Scripture. But we also believe adultery is contrary to Scripture. We also believe fornication is contrary to Scripture. But we don't see people where they are right now. Amen? We see them for what God could do in their heart. That's why if a person battling homosexuality comes to our church, we're not going to kick them out at the door. Here's the reason why. Because every time they come and they hear the gospel, it's an opportunity for transformation. We're going to love them where they are. 
Now listen, this is where we, we, get, we get into trouble. Just the fact that we, we listen to them and let them in does not mean we approve of the lifestyle. But there has to be, a, listen, there was a moment that somebody saw something in you and you were, you were the worst sinner on the planet. But they saw you for who you could be in Christ and they didn't give up on you. That's the same way we must be with every person who walks in this door no matter what sin they're facing. And we tend to do that. We tend to focus in on this one sin. Folks, they're all in the eyes of God. They separate you from him. Amen. So how do we see people? We see them created in the image of God. We see them for what God could do in their heart, the potential that's there. And we allow room for the Holy Spirit to do the convicting. That's part of the problem, too. We've been the Holy Spirit for a lot of people. Amen? That, that won't cost you anything. In closing, here. Learn to speak, no matter who they are, speak life into them, okay? Learn how to do that. Ask God to help you do that. Here's another passage I want to read to you. Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 through 14. I'm trying to hurry here. Do not lie to each other since you have, been, you have taken off your what? The old you. Remember, when you're in Christ, the old is past, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, right? Watch this. With its practices and put on the, say it loud, the new self which is being renewed. In knowledge, in what? Say it. The image of who? You notice this, folks, that Paul is saying to you and I, you need a paradigm shift. The old way you used to think is not the way you're thinking anymore. It's being renewed. In other words, listen, I get it, you're in process. That's what that word means. Being renewed means I'm in process. I'm not always going to get it right, but I'm in process. But I understand the new me thinks differently. And even more so, the new me sees differently. Amen? Watch this, keep on. Notice this, and he even brings race into it. Here there is no, say it, or circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is and is in all. Watch this. You're created in the image of God, Joe. There's no more race. Christ's death. Took care of that. Amen. I got news for you, folks. Here's another thing. You struggle with that, you're going to hate heaven. Because the Bible says there will be every tribe, every tongue, and every nation represented in heaven. Oh, God, help us. So they may be like, mm, 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 mm. or it could be, uh, da, 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 da. All of that in heaven. Beautiful. It's beautiful, isn't it? 
Let's keep reading. Therefore, and then he goes on, here's how you treat people. Here's how you do it. You go from how you see them to how you treat them, how you talk to them. Watch this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, who's that? Every person that names the name of Christ. Holy and dearly loved. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're dearly loved. Do you feel that? Do you know that? Watch this. Clothe yourselves. In other words, it's part of your responsibility. Clothe yourselves with compassion. Remember the, great, the Good Samaritan? Kindness. Humility. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Gentleness and patience. Bear with each other. Oh, boy. Well, this is getting hard, isn't it? And forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive and boy, he takes it to the next level. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. How many of you know you've been forgiven of a good bit? You've heard the story of the guy that had this big debt, right? And he forgave, the, the guy forgave the debt. And then the guy has a guy that owes him, you know, a little bit less. I mean, a lot less, actually. And he throws him in prison. Folks, you've been give, forgiven of so much. So Here's the thing. I can extend forgiveness to somebody else. Why? Because I've been given, forgiven of so much. Amen. And all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect. Was anybody here last week? Those of you that are here last week know what's the idea? Unity. Folks, he's given you the pattern. If you see people differently, you're, being, you're putting on a new self, a new paradigm, a new way of looking things, a, a way of treating people. Here's what you're going to get. You're going to get compassion. You're going to get humility. You're going to get kindness. You're going to get patience. You're going to bear with each other. You're going to be patient with each other. You're going to forgive each other. And most of all, you're going to put on love. Because remember what Jesus said, love the Lord your God. With all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbor. How many of you say, Pastor, I want that? I want to love people that way. This is the highest ideal. I get it, folks. We don't always get there. We're not always going to be perfect at it. Remember, Christ is perfect. He's the ideal. We're striving to be like him. Remember, we're wanting to be conformed to the image of Christ possible through the cross but it takes a lot of work i wouldn't say this to you and just say oh wow it's so easy for you to change the way you think no listen you have an enemy how many know you have an enemy what's his what's his goal for you to steal to kill destroy he wants to rob you of great relationships he wants your marriages to constantly be in turmoil But the highest ideal is seeing people through the different lens, their value, their worth, loving them the way Christ loved them, putting on all of these things we just miss, mentioned, speaking life into them, showing them compassion, being patient with them, forgiving them when they hurt you, even if they don't even ask for forgiveness. He didn't even make that stipulation. He didn't say, if they ask you, forgive, what did he say? No. Forgive anyway. 
What's your response to this message today? Understand. We're all created. Everybody say all. All created in the image of God. That's why it's so important for you to see people. you got to see them that way. Number two, look through this lens. Look through the lens. Every person is creating the image of God. Look through the lens of Scripture, and that will help you to treat people differently. Number three, follow James, his response or his, his advice. What was his advice? Speak life into people. Paul's response was put on humility, put on compassion, forgive, be patient, right? And then number four, this is, this is the key. This realm of, of all three dimensions of full life are, are not possible without the Holy Spirit. You need Him to help you love people the way you're supposed to love them. You need Him for that process. Remember, I'm being renewed. You need Him for that process of paradigm shift, of change. You need Him, don't you? How many of you say, Pastor, I need Him? I need the Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining us for this week's service. We pray that God has used this moment to greatly impact your life. We invite you to live fully alive in Christ with us here at Full Life Church. We'll see you next week.